0: In Kenya, East Africa, in the capital city of Nairobi, in what can only be described as the urban slum of Kibera, you'll find beautiful, precious people from 40 plus different tribes living in extreme poverty under extremely difficult circumstances. The families here live in small shacks. Close proximity, makeshift walls, dirt floors, tin roofs. Most without running water or electricity. Medical care and education hard to come by. Life here is not easy. Especially for the girls who grow into womanhood without the awareness, acceptance, and supplies that many would take for granted. My guests today recognized this need many years ago. So they started an organization called Garden of Hope Foundation, dedicated it to improving the lives of young women of the Kibera slum providing the hygiene items and education needed to open doors and restore hope to entire communities. Victor Odiambo joins us today from Nairobi. Doug Anderson joins us from the States. They're the co-founders of Garden of Hope Foundation. Just two guys that knew something had to be done. Let's go beyond status quo out here on the Edge of Adventure. where adventure meets purpose where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo my name is adam asher and this is the edge of adventure podcast hello everybody welcome back this is the edge of adventure my name is adam asher and as always it's great to have you with us because we get to travel through technology and through these podcasts we get to travel all around the world Meet great people doing great things, serving others, and making a difference. Today is no exception. We are going to be featuring an organization today in the following conversation called Garden of Hope Foundation, and they work in Kenya, and I'm not going to try to introduce them. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. They'll do a much better job, but let me go ahead and bring in my two guests for today Victor Odiambo is joining us from Nairobi, Kenya. Victor, great to have you on the show.
1: Thank you,
2: Adam. Great to be here.
0: Doug Anderson is joining us here from the States, I think just outside of DC. Doug, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much. Happy to be on the podcast, Adam.
0: Both of you are co-founders of Garden of Hope Foundation. And you're also old friends. And so we'll we'll get into that and I'll have you tell some fun stories, but definitely this shared heart that you guys have for the people of Africa, the people of Kenya. So let's delve into that. I'm going to start. I'll kick it over to Victor to get things going, to give us the grand overview of Garden of Hope Foundation, what you guys do and where this heart started.
1: Thank you, Adam. It was great to be here. Uh, my name is Victor Diambo. I am from Nairobi, Kenya. I grew up in an informal settlement in Nairobi called uh, Kibera Slum. Um, Kibera is the second largest urban slum in uh, Africa, actually, and with um, a population of about 170,000 to 200,000 people. Um, so, as an informal settlement, growing up in Kibera was a very difficult place. Um, you know, you get to share a lot of uh, common amenities like washrooms. Showers, uh, living in a ten by ten room around five people, so you think about uh, the challenges of getting the basic um, needs was very difficult, and um, you know I, I'm the first boy in a family of five, so these challenges growing up in Kibra um, led me uh, strongly to be able that I, I want to do something to be able to support the young people also growing up in Kibra, uh, but again before you support there are things that you have to think about. And so the Garden of Hope Foundation, um, the idea was born way back in 2010. just the idea, thinking about the strategy, what you're going to do. Uh, but it was sealed when uh, we started responding to women and girls who face uh, challenges when it comes to menstrual hygiene management, uh, those who cannot afford uh, menstrual products. Um, so um, in 2014, I met my good friend Douglas, who was in Kenya. He was studying in Kenya. And so the idea was fruitful uh, in 2014. Uh, And uh, i And I'll welcome, Douglas, just to share a bit on why he joined.
2: Thanks so much, Victor. Yeah, appreciate it. Like you said, Adam, I mean, Victor and I are, you call us old friends, and and that's so true. Victor's a little older than I am Uh, (laughs) by about a year or so. But even more so than that really we're we're brothers i mean victor is is the godfather of one of my sons the kenyan godfather i call him i joined uh, garden of hope because he said there were going to be great benefits so a little bit about me i went and uh, victor as you mentioned lived in kenya lived in kibera slum the informal settlement for about 2 years i was doing a master's study in uh, community development poverty alleviation wanted to learn why there was extreme poverty, actually live there and see things on the ground for myself. So I, I lived in Kibera for a couple of years and that's where Victor and I met. We met working on separate projects, but through a friend of a friend, and then we became friends and started hanging out and, and really just built a friendship. We'd been helping each other out with different things. So uh, one of my things to do as a student to understand the culture and, and um, one of the things that we care about as Garden of Hope because of our experiences is being sure that it's grassroots from the ground up adhering and being very respectful of local culture so i was learning uh, the language in kenya which is swahili so victor was my swahili teacher so uh, he would come over to my house a couple times a week and and we'd uh converse um and he'd say no douglas say it like this um so if there's anything good i've learned in swahili it's because of you asante sana thank you so much if I've made any mistakes, you know, that's me. But there was one day Victor said, you know, uh, Doug, I, I, I want to talk to you about something. I said, Okay. So we go over to this very small restaurant called The Base Cafe, which is behind my house in, in Nairobi. And we have a plate of what's called pilau. I know your viewers are really into adventure. So it's, it's like seasoned rice. Uh, in other places, it's called Swahili rice. So, so we had this and, uh, and a stony soda they don't even have it in the states but uh, but really really interesting uh, it's like a ginger beer type of thing so for about a dollar we had dollar two dollars we had this great meal and victor said you know i have this idea i have this passion i want to start an organization that's addressing these needs that are not being met and he asked if i'd be willing to kind of help it make a reality so together we helped to launch this thing so that's a very in brief how we started it together over over pilau and prayers because we had nothing else at that point uh, but to start off as an idea.
0: Well then let's delve into that a little bit here to help give some context or the big picture of all that you guys do at Garden of Hope Foundation. I see there's mentorship, there's leadership training, there's involvement at the education level, economic empowerment, so many vital vital pieces. But Talk to us about, and I'll go back to you, Victor. Talk to us about where this started and the ways that you felt like the women and the young girls were being underserved and this vision to help them and to help overcome some challenges that perhaps weren't necessary.
1: Um, thank you, Adam. So back in 2000 and. Uh, 10. um, I I lived uh, in two places. I lived uh, just a bit outside of Kibra. During that time, I was invited to um, a children's home by one of my close friends. Uh, By that time, she was in the university. And uh, she said, Victor, you know, I'd like you to come and help me. I'm visiting an orphanage or a children's home. And so I said, okay, I'm happy to, to help. Um, and so, anyway, we went to the children's home and, you know, uh, I was not really involved in that a lot, but as a friend, I, I offered to support her. So during this time, as we were visiting the children's home, it was just supposed to be a one-day visit. And so um, a girl just walks to me and says, you know, Victor, I I need 50 shillings, which will be an equivalent of around 50 cents uh, in the U.S. And so... The the rule at that time was not for us to give uh, these kids money. That was not against the rules. But she insisted. So anyway, I I gave up and gave her the 50 cents. But then she went and came back really happy. Uh, And so because she was a girl, I felt a bit ashamed to ask her what she wanted to do with the 50 cents. And so I sent my friend to ask her, what was she going to do with these 50 cents? And uh, she said that uh, she was going to buy... Menstrual products. Um, that's what she said. So, you know, for, for a man, I was like, okay, so what are those? So I decided to just dive deep and really realize that um, a lot of women and girls in Kenya by that time really, really, and even today, facing a lot of challenges when they not have the menstrual products. So, some of them got as far as changing uh, sex for parts, which really put them at risk. Uh, of early pregnancy diseases and all that, and cultural barriers. um, Some of them, because of culture, they are not able to cook for their uh, families. They are not able to do a lot of things for their families. So I was like, we are living in the 21st century. This should not be happening. How can we support more women and girls get access to the menstrual products? How can we support them get access to information And so because it was just a one day visit, there was really nothing much that I could do. I went and, you know, decided not to uh, do anything. But this idea really kept coming in my mind. And, you know, I went, started a new job and, you know, things just, you know, got on the way. But along the way, I just decided to say, OK, let us support these women and girls. Let's be there for them. So we started with one girl, uh, that is in 2014, um, when now we met Douglas and shared the idea. We started with that one girl in a school, and that is what birthed our mentorship program. So apart from just providing them with the products, we decided it is good if you just provide them with education. So we will will partner with a lot of informal schools in Kibra and provide them with the products, support them. And Adam, you know, for, for a girl who does not have menstrual products and they go to school, if they don't have it, they miss at least three to five days of school in a month, okay? So you can imagine if a girl does not have menstrual products for a whole year, how many, you know, they can go even for a month without going to school. And, you know, for someone who is living in informal settlement in Kibra, menstrual products is actually at the top, at the, at the bottom. So they will prioritize food, the priority will go on other things but not uh, the menstrual products. So we started with one school. We went to two schools, we went to three schools. And right now we are in 35 schools, not only in Kibra, but in other places, providing these women and girls with menstrual products. And so we also support the boys because in Kenya, boys are the gatekeepers, okay? So we ensure that they also are aware of what menstruation is all about. So that is what about our mentorship program. And then we realized that as much as we want to have conversations with these students, they come from very vulnerable communities. When they graduate out of school, some of them are not able to go to university or college. Some of them are not able to even graduate from school. So what is that? As a result of that, they become criminals, they get addicted to drugs and all those things. So how can we be able to sustain the program? So that is how we started our economic empowerment program to go ahead and equip these young people with skills. We call them entrepreneurship skills, skills that can help them get access to sustainable jobs, can be able to support them, start their own businesses. So yeah, that is, that is a big dive into what we do. Education is very key and education is the only way to tackle poverty, systematic poverty. When the students are educated, we are ensured that they can be able to support their communities. They can be able to respond to the needs in their community. So two years ago, we started a program and I remember I shared this with Doug and I told him, you know, one of the things that can help us sustain a few of these projects is start a scholarship program to continue supporting them. So right now we are paying school fees for 20 high school students and they are really happy because they can be able to stay longer in school.
0: This is The Edge of Adventure, my name is Adam Asher, and it is great to have everybody tuning in. Whether you're watching the video version or listening in on the audio version, it's a very unique conversation today. We're focusing on Garden of Hope Foundation, and I have two guests on the line today. Victor Odiambo, who is joining us from Nairobi, Kenya, right now, live for the show. And he is the executive director and also one of the two co-founders of Garden of Hope. Doug Anderson is the other co-founder, and he's also on the line today joining us from just outside of D.C. Doug is serving as VP of Global Partnerships. And as previously established, these two guys have been friends for a long time, and they uh, met in Kenya and have been working on this particular project now for yeah, 8 years, 7 8 years, something like that. And they're making a big difference in these areas in Kenya where the need is great. This is what I I'm hearing. I'm hearing that you you have compassion on these young women, these on these girls. You saw a need and you have sought to address that need. And then so many other needs and so many other projects have come from that. Talk to me though, about how talking about menstruation and these sorts of things can be, or often can feel like taboo or off limits or not the kind of thing that get talked about. And of course, here we are, three guys talking about this. And, and yet that's kind of the point, isn't it, Doug, that it's not something that should be looked down upon or stigmatized in any way?
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you would have told me uh, when I was uh, in university that I'd be leading an organization that one of the main things we do is focus on menstruation and, and hygiene, and I was have said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> right? Three guys here. It's incredible that when you see a need in front of you, and you say okay how how can i be a part of it what can i do to make this situation better how one thing will just lead to another i mean when we started garden of hope we didn't have the full picture in view we just kind of started with what was in front of us the foundation at least the starting piece about being uh, the advocacy and awareness you know we we just want to say as a guy that knows very little compared to uh, <laughs> the ladies out there about this but I mean, we were created, and that's that's a normal body function. Uh, that's that's how life continues, right? If girls and women don't have this process of menstruation, we don't continue as a species. Both Victor and I just had uh, sons this year, very recently. So that's that's part of the, the beauty of creation and, and the circle of life. And um, one of the things we want to do is is normalize the conversation. It's an injustice that girls and and young ladies should be at a disadvantage when it comes to education, when it comes to economics, because of something that their bodies were designed to do. That's a good thing. So uh, we want to help level the playing field and and just give everybody equal opportunities. So it's it's a very strange or unlikely. I mean, we didn't plan this out, but we're happy to be a part of it and help in, in the ways that we can. So it's been an interesting journey.
0: Well, I think unlikely is, is a great way to describe it. And, and yet your point is, it's not actually strange. And, and you know, it, it can't seem strange, but a part of what you and your organization is doing is helping to allow it to be a part of the conversation so that they learn, so that they know, so that they understand, and so that their lives get to continue and, and continue as they should in uh, with their education and on these other opportunities to put that into perspective, because I know as the listeners are clearly they're, they're picking up on this, that's where you guys got your start. And that is a, a focus, a focus of, of what you do even today. But I know that it's continued to, to grow. Like you said, there's these new ways and additional ways that you have sought to, and I'm going to pull a line here from your website, so this is your content, but I really liked how you put it, a little bit of a paraphrase here, but restoring hope for underserved youth, children, women, and girls. Let's talk about that. What is life like for the underserved people, the underserved women and girls in this part of Kenya, for example, and I'll kick that over to Victor to discuss.
1: Thank you, thank you, Adam. And un, un, you know, Underserved is um, a very personal word um, to me. Um, think about someone who um, does not know where their next meal is going to come from. Um, someone who really um, has to fight between, you know, um, the next meal and have, having to pay school fees. Um, uh, so someone who grows up and, you know, they do not have an opportunity to even go to college or to university. Um, and probably someone who lives in a 10 by 10 room and there are six or seven uh, people uh, in one family. And so um, 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 someone who really stays at home for a month because they cannot afford, uh, in Kenya we, we, we wear school uniform, a school uniform that will cost a little bit over $50, they cannot afford that. So they have to stay home for one month, for two months uh, because of that. Um, plus, in terms of paying school fees, they are not even able to pay school fees that will be uh, 30 or 40 or $50. So they have to stay home for a year or two years uh, because of lack of school fees. So that is really how the situation is for most of the people who live in areas where we work. And it's not like they, they are not able to do this. They, the only thing they lack are the opportunities. They need people to work with them. And that is why Garden of War Foundation decides that we want to work in these communities and we want to work with these people who are underserved. And by working with them means we want to empower them. Give them skills. Because for, for some of them, is they do not have a job. For five Three years, someone has never worked in their life, so there's no jobs, there's nothing that they can do. So what we do is that we try the best we can to equip them with um, uh, with employment opportunities for them to be able now to continue providing uh, for themselves. So that is one. For students who are, and that is I was actually bathed out of our menstrual hygiene program. For, for those ones who, you know, they cannot be able to make informed decision because um, either because life has been so tough, they have to go to drugs, they have to go to crime, they have to go to, you know, a lot of unhealthy ways to get a living. We decide as Garden of War Foundation that we want to mentor this young person. We want to equip them with skills and information in order for them to say no to drugs, in order for them to say no to crime. And that is why we nurture them at high school level. We nurture them, some of them at primary school level, so that when they grow up, they can be able to make this informed decision. And that is why the mentorship program is also part of it. But apart from that, we also realize that in order for this person to be able to change their community, to be able to respond to some of these needs, they're going to stay in school. They have to be in school. They have to be educated. And because they cannot afford that education, we try the best we can through friends and family to support them to stay in school by paying their school fees. So that is how we respond to the needs of underserved communities. And you are very intentional that we are driven where the need is great so that you can be able to support them.
0: Your dial is set right here on the edge of adventure. I'm Adam Asher, and we'll continue my conversation with these awesome guys from Garden of Hope Foundation in just a minute. But first, a thank you. A big thank you as in order to you for all the support and friendship you've been showing me lately. The shares, the likes, the listens, the votes, all the downloads of my new app, Rugged Compass, which is available now in the app stores and at ruggedcompass.com. Thank you. It is undeniable Something very special is happening around all this, and you are a part of it. And I am overwhelmed by the outpouring of support. You guys are the best, as together we go beyond status quo. Now back to my conversation with Victor Odiambo and Doug Anderson from Garden of Hope Foundation as we talk a bit more about their calling and their work in the Kibera slum of Nairobi, Kenya. This is the Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher. Victor Odiambo joining us today from Nairobi, Kenya. And of course, he is the executive director and one of the co-founders for Garden of Hope Foundation. And we're learning about their organization today. Also on the line is Doug Anderson, VP of Global Partnerships. And a quick plug here for the video version. Right, Of course, we've got the audio version. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google. Uh, or on the Rugged Compass app, don't forget to ch- check out the video version. Now we're showing some pictures from their work, and you sort of get to, to see who they are and what they do. And pictures are worth a thousand words. And since we don't have time for too many thousands of words, I encourage you to uh, check out the video version. For more information, you can go to theedgeofadventure.com, and you'll see a post For and some show notes for today's broadcast, so be sure that you you do that as well as you seek to get to know Garden of Hope Foundation and all that they do. And so now, Doug, let me uh, ask you a question. This is a bit of a big picture question here, but if you were to boil down the problem of poverty and you were to think about what would be the thing that could be done to solve poverty, what would that be?
2: (laughs) Now that's the uh, multi-billion dollar question, right? Uh, What I spent a couple of years, uh, more than a couple of years, really trying to figure out. You know, poverty is such a multi-faceted thing and it expresses itself in many different forms. But I'm going to say something that maybe... uh, perhaps won't come to the top of the list uh, for maybe some of our listeners. Um, I'm going to say dignity would be the very first thing. Um, So, I mean, poverty is a a web of complex systems and and relationships. Uh, One of the biggest things that we've seen, particularly in the community that we serve, Kibra, is that there are a lot of nonprofits there. There are a lot of non-governmental organizations. And yet the community, you could say, is no better off or very little better off because of it. And one of the issues that we discovered, and Victor and I made sure from the very beginning, we, we wanted to do things a little differently, is we don't want to create dependency. A simplified version or, or a lack of a fuller understanding of poverty um, would say, okay, these are some poor people, let's give them money. Okay, well, what happens when the, the money dries up? So you become dependent on an organization or on a donor or this or that. And so we made a conscious decision and continue to make a conscious decision that we want to be sustainable and we want to walk with people, just like Victor mentioned earlier. We want to walk with people when they're young and help them figure out ways to improve their situation. And we partner alongside them because one of the worst things that can happen is to, because of our interaction, make a person believe that they can't, they don't have intrinsic worth or value. And so that's why we started with, okay, we're, we're distributing pads and sanitary products. And then we realized, okay, there's a deeper issue, education. And then we realized, okay, well, what about the economic benefits? And that's why we include leadership development, because we want to help people understand what their gifts are. Understand that they have a voice and that they can improve their situation. And we've seen it when someone realizes that, hey, I have ideas, I can come up with solutions to help my own problems, then that is where you see the biggest transformation. And those are our biggest ambassadors because they're going to help others. I mean, Victor's the greatest example, right? I mean, he lived many years in the slum, but he didn't let that define him, right? I I grew up in a poor situation, so I can't do anything. No, he's a leader, and he's pulling up so many people and, and, and such an inspiration, which is why I love working with him. That would be uh, my long-winded answer to this question. Dignity would be the number one thing.
0: That's a great answer. Not perhaps the one we would have expected, but I like that. I like that a lot. And I think it does encompass all that you guys are doing at Garden of Hope Foundation. Victor, you know, one of the things that Doug mentioned was the youth. And again, for those of us that are uh, watching the the video version, seeing these pictures here of the young people in these educational facilities and schools and classrooms, what role do the young people have to bring about change?
1: Wow. Um, I love that question, Adam. And um, young people have the opportunity at a very, I'll say, young age to transform their communities. So the first role that they have is to be able to take on the leadership positions in their communities because they are still young, they are still you know, very energetic, they have the skills, they have the time. So I believe that if young people can be able to challenge themselves to be able to take the leadership positions in their community, they understand those challenges much better. So that is the first role that they have. The second role that they have is that once you take the leadership position in your community, you become an ambassador of your community. Leadership is a responsibility. And the responsibility for young people is that you don't just sit on that position. Your work is to be the voice of your community. So my challenge to to young people is that once you have... That position. Once you are equipped and you have the skills, you become an ambassador and share about your community with other people. The third thing that the role that they have is the role of mentorship. I'll, I'll want young, a young person to be able to mentor another person. The youth, you know, you 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 walk with someone. When you have the position, it is your responsibility to be able to grab someone's hand and be able to mentor them so that as you transition into other spaces, you do not just leave your space vacant. You already have some young person that you have uh, mentored to be able to work with. So that is the role that they have. Um, In addition, young people, when they speak in one voice, they can challenge systems. They can challenge government. They can challenge different things, you know. So I'll encourage young people to be able to work together because they better understand their challenges. Let's address your challenges and be able to develop solutions for those challenges. So when you come together, speak with one voice so that systems and governments and you know all these leaders can be able to listen to you. So that is uh, those are some of the three roles that I believe young people have in transforming their communities.
0: The voice of Victor Odiambo here on the Edge of Adventure, reiterating the fact these these two guys share a friendship and have been friends for a long time, and and clearly have a heart for the people of Africa, Kenya, and Kibera, or, or I don't think I'm saying that quite correctly, but the
1: you're right, yes, Kibera. Yeah.
0: How much are you charging for your Swahili lessons? I may have to uh, take those. Um, <laughs> They're worth it. Yeah. Well, by the way, was Doug a good student? I mean, be honest.
1: He was a good student. A few a few uh, challenges here and there, but I think, uh, he can have conversations. So he was a good student.
0: So, Doug, question to you, you know, thinking about things that can affect change. And, and the, these, we're sort of in the part of the program here where we're asking these big type questions. What would be the media's role or how could the media help? to alleviate some of this type of suffering?
2: Yeah, that's a huge question. The right question to ask, one of the right questions to ask. You know, the first thing I would say is um, to be more like you, Adam. um, I have to say I appreciate your show so much because you're sharing good news and you're sharing things that matter. It's not a secret. I don't think that uh, the media is a business and that's not a bad thing but um, they share a lot of things that are not helpful for moving the world forward and bringing solutions. And so sharing good stories of positive impact in areas that people can actually do something to make a difference. So it's not doom and gloom. We have real challenges. I don't want to gloss over that, but being able to share stories that really matter and provide opportunities where people can serve and make a difference. Um, So thank you, Adam. And and we want to see more of that and uh, just showing really critical information. I wanna highlight again the youth. When you talked about, uh, you read the statement from our website, we wanna restore hope among the vulnerable and, and the youth. It's important to be compassionate one, but we also wanna uh, have the heart as well as the head and that impact our hands. And so uh, sharing information that's really important. So we, we highlight the youth because in Kenya, the population is nearly 70% of young people. And in Africa as a continent, and we're talking uh, over a billion people, 60% is the youth. So if you want to impact change on a, a huge portion of the world's population, now we know where to focus. Focus on raising up leaders among the youth, and you're going to have a whole generation, a whole continent, and, and that has even... Um, uh, broader implications when you see Africa as the youngest continent, how that'll play out in the world. So what can we do in the media? Share things that matter, information that's critical. Because if we get enough people that can be looking at the same thing and everybody does their small part, you know, one person doesn't need to change the world, but if a ton of people contribute, we can make massive movements for the betterment of this world.
0: Well, thank you, Doug, for your kind words, and since you brought me into the conversation, I'm going to go ahead and say this. As I observe the media and the entertainment industry as a whole, the negative tends to take the forefront, and yet the world is full of good news. I've often said I still believe in good news. And there is good in the world and there's good happening. People that are doing good. Now, then, the word good is such a simple word. I think we, we tend to kind of gloss over it and we think of the word good as, as somehow being a step down from the concept of something being great. But I think especially on this, this journey that I've been on talking to so many great organizations, good. Is really the highest compliment when a person is good or does good or seeks to do good. I mean, that's that's a very high compliment. And there is good in the world, and we need to be talking about it more. So, yep, that's one of the reasons why I took on this little fun project I call the edge of adventure. And it is also why I would invite anybody listening, and you guys included, to join me. And on my uh, app that I've launched recently called Rugged Compass. It's available in the app stores. And it's just the kind of the mobile app version of this concept, knowing that the world's a big place and it's full of lots of great stories and being able to share those is important. So, anyway, sorry to go on about those things, but it, a little bit of a soapbox. And I don't get on a soapbox too much, but um, your answer. It kind of prompted that. There's so many good things happening. What you are doing, guys, gentlemen, is is good. And we need to hear. We need to hear. We need to be reminded about that. I think it's time now. Let somebody else do some talking. I'll kick it over to Victor. Victor Odiambo. And um, I want to ask you about this concept of resilience, right? This is something that you guys at Garden of Hope Foundation Emphasize, and you talk about resilience versus giving up. Talk to me about that, Victor.
1: The resilience versus giving up um, concept is um, looking at the situation where we work and the locations where we work. Um, it is easy for someone to, you know, say, "No, I'm not going to do anything. I'll, I'll just let the situation." Define me, and they live like that. They don't do anything about it. They don't, uh, they rant about the situation and try not to change it. When I think about the, resili- the resilience, I think about the young people that you work with. These are youth who have grown up in very difficult situations, as we had described earlier. And yet, they still are determined to say, I am going to make it someday. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to try the best that I can to be able to not only change myself, but change my community. So, when I think about resilience, I think about those young people who are dreaming of becoming doctors, those young people are dreaming of becoming engineers, those young people are dreaming to change the narrative of the media um, and how the media tell stories in their communities. Those young people are dreaming to be you know, um, change makers in the community, I think about those young people. And we've been able to support quite a few of them to graduate even up to high school because of the fact that they stayed resilience.
0: Victor Odiambo right here on the Edge of Adventure. Also with us today, of course, is Doug Anderson. And let's turn our attention to maybe a little bit more of a practical question, Doug. What are some of the ways that a person watching or listening could come alongside you guys and help you guys. And clearly as an international nonprofit, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. I mean, clearly funds and financial partnerships is important. And you didn't ask me to say that. I just know it has to be true. That's how you guys make these things go around. What would be some of the ways that people could come alongside you guys, encourage you and help you make a difference in this way?
2: The first thing you could do, we'd invite you uh, as travel, you know, gets a little bit more back to normal. Come visit us. Come, come see for yourself. I mean, the pictures you see are beautiful and, and the fact that you're engaged and hearing this is amazing, um, but there's nothing like getting on the ground and seeing it for yourself. So we just invite you to come and visit us. I know that's kind of a, a bigger ask to hop on a plane, um, but if you're looking for adventure, I promise you, though, <laughs> that'll be an adventure. We host a, uh, a volunteer program that we do with international students all over the world. We've had people come and serve with us for one week, two weeks, as long as uh, three months uh, from Europe, from Australia, from Middle East, from the U.S. and Canada. So if you're looking for something to do, whether you're a student, whether you have the ability to move around and, and you want to uh, see what it's like, get your hands dirty and learn, come and learn. We'll learn together. Come visit us. Up until. Pandemic—that was one of our programs that was really increasing in popularity. So come visit us if you're able to. Would it be one. Next, share this. I would say share this podcast episode. Come like and and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, and share. Not so that we can be popular, but so we can join together in sharing good news and sharing things that matter. Get the word out. Everybody doing a little bit really comes a long way. You can pray for us. Uh, We are a faith-based organization, and we've seen a lot of evils, and when you get into poverty and all the mess that's um, behind it, uh, there's evil behind it, and and we appreciate the prayers, and it really makes a difference. Victor and I have seen it in our lives, and that would be very encouraging to us. And as well, you can uh, consider supporting us financially. If we had 100 people give $25 a month, that would put us in a fantastic situation. That would allow us to support a lot of students throughout school, throughout the year to help um, kickstart. One of the things I don't think we mentioned is we have a microfinance bit that we started just under two years ago. So we help train people in business and then we give them a little bit of a, a, a seed to help start their business. So that would go a long ways. So that's a lot to consider, but thank you. Appreciate that.
0: I wanted to ask Victor one other thing, though, because I I find this stuff fascinating. How many tribes are represented in Kenya or in Nairobi? And does that create any kind of a complexity in the work that you guys do?
1: Uh, So as of yesterday, uh, we just confirmed our 45th tribe, uh, 45 tribe in Kenya. We just confirmed that um in Kibera where we serve, there are a bit more of thirty plus tribes actually, thirty plus tribes uh, in Kibera where we serve um 30, 35, they about. this yes, it does uh, create a bit of uh, challenge where we work. Uh, one because these tribes because of tribes because of the fact that they are very diverse and uh, considering that some they it's migrate Kibera is is in the heart of the city. It is actually in Nairobi. So, a lot of uh, people who come from up country uh, in search of jobs and they're not able to get jobs, they end up in Kibra. So, with around 30 plus tribes, um, you have to learn to live very peacefully uh, with every tribe, try to understand how they do things and integrate yourself. So, it has brought this challenge, but at the same time, it has brought a very good thing because we are able to learn and appreciate the diversity of every tribe. So personally, I speak uh, only two of the 45 tribes in uh, uh, in Kenya. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it brings its own challenges, but we love the fact that there's diversity.
0: What a great conversation today, guys. Thanks for taking the time. Doug, anything else? What else? Anything else that needs to be said before we... We wrap up the show. Obviously, we encourage everybody to go to gardenofhopefoundation.org, that's gardenofhopefoundation.org to learn more and to get the audio version or the video version of this podcast, you can go to theedgeofadventure.com, theedgeofadventure.com. You'll see a post for this on the podcast page and you can share that out and honestly there's all the other links to all the different platforms are all there make it pretty easy. So you can find the platform you prefer and then yeah, share it out and help tell this wonderful story from today. But other than those fun details, Doug, what else brother?
2: Yeah. The last thing I would uh, encourage all of us uh, comes from our our tagline, which is restoring hope. So I would just encourage uh, your listeners. I'd encourage all of us to remember when we wake up every day, we have the chance to do things and make things better. And things don't have to be the way they are. Things are the way they are for a reason, but they don't have to be that way. So that's what gets us out of bed every morning. And um, if just you listening right now can do one thing today to restore hope in one area, in, in one person's life, keep doing that, and the world will be a much better place. Thank you, Adam
0: thank you doug that's doug anderson vp of global partnerships at garden of hope foundation one of the co-founders of the organization and one of my guests today here on the show victor what else brother final comments for the show today
1: um i think uh, for me the final comments thank you adam this is very great uh journalism i am the husband of a journalist who believe in uh, positive journalism my wife is a uh, journalist and uh, um, I I think it is time the world hears such stories from across the globe and uh, when we hear such stories especially in pandemic you know people get to know that there's a lot of positivity that is happening out there so I just want to appreciate you for the work that you are doing and to all the listeners that uh, are listening um, my encouragement is that you can plug in the Garden of Work will be you know, many miles away, but at home, what is happening in your next door? What is positive, one positive thing you can do with your neighbor uh, in the States, in the UK, in Kenya? So mine is that it's not too late. You can do something positive for your community, wherever you are.
0: Victor Odiambo. Garden of Hope Foundation, and he is one of the co-founders. He's the executive director. He is on the ground in Kenya, joining us today from Nairobi. Again, the website is gardenofhopefoundation.org, gardenofhopefoundation.org. Connect with them, follow them on social media, reach out to them, tell them that you saw the show and it was great to get to know them a little bit, encourage them, come alongside them any way you can and feel led. That would make my day. So, all right, guys great to get to know you we will be in touch we'll talk soon guys i appreciate what you do thank you thanks adam my name is adam asher and you've been listening to the edge of adventure podcast to learn more log on to theEdgeofadventure.com. and while you're there check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place i call it my search for adventure and purpose You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag TheEdgeOfAdventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure where we go beyond status quo.